We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. So many people on the Perry and Shauna Mornings team, another one of our favorites with us this morning. Yes, indeed. Kara Snyder. You know, just about everyone experiences anxiety in some form or another, but for some reason, it's much more extreme for some than it is for others. And it can be all encompassing. And Kara Snyder is a Christian communicator who shares the hope of God through speaking and leading worship. And she's a recent author of Anxiety Elephants, 31 Day Devotional. And her passion for the Lord just comes through as she shares from her experiences of overcoming depression and anxiety. Karis, we are so excited to have you with us today. Can I just pray for us real quick before we dive in? Father, we just thank you for your presence with us today. And there is anxiety is so oh, just broadly experienced right now, God, in varying levels and to varying degrees. But Lord, you are our peace and you are the answer. We thank you for Karis's story and just her experience and the practical things that she has to pass on to us. And we just, we're excited to be with her today and to learn from her. So come Holy Spirit, speak to us through Karis in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dive right in. Things right now, the world is just out of control. Things are so completely out of our control. For most of our world, we think we can manipulate circumstances to be the way that we want them to be. But earthquakes, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan, we that's so far completely out of our control. How do we keep our anxiety at bay with circumstances like that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right. We, we, we like this illusion of control. We like to feel as though we are in control. And these are just things that, that we cannot control. So what do we do? So God has equipped us with his word, his beautiful, powerful word. I can look to God in that He knew we were going to struggle. He knew we were going to have hard times. So he gave us things to equip us. And one of the first things he gave us was the ability to cast, to cast all of our anxiety on him, as 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, because he cares for us. And when I think about that word cast, I don't know about you guys, but I go back to my childhood and my grandparents had these amazing catfish ponds. And every time we would go to their house, they would have fishing poles ready for us to fish and catch the catfish. But it would be an all day process of casting our reels over and over and over to finally catch the fish. And I think when we think of casting with our, with our anxiety, it is a process. And, and mm. oftentimes we may feel like if we don't get it right the first time that it didn't work. And in reality, casting is something that we need to do over and over again. So when that anxiety tries to slip in with confusion or doubt or worry, we cast it over and over. And we can do that through writing the those anxieties out, getting them out, and then literally throwing or casting them away. Or maybe you like to use your note section on your phone so you can write down those anxieties that are trying to creep in your mind and get them out in that way. And also, how beautiful is accountability? in those moments, right? When we can reach out to an accountability partner and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. This anxious thought is coming into my mind. And that accountability partner can be there to pray you through and then help you to replace those anxious thoughts that are trying to come in and keep peace from dwelling in your heart. Mm. I love this so much because I tend to think if If I'm anxious about something and I give it to the Lord and then I feel anxious about it again, I'll just beat myself up for blowing it 
which makes me feel more anxious. And this feels to me like such a gift, you know, that we, we can go to God again and again and again and again and again. And that was his plan. He said, cast your anxieties on me, that it would be over and over. That's right. And he gives us that grace, right? To do that over and over. And I love that at the end of the verse, it says, because he cares, he cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for your listener family. You're probably familiar with the phrase thought stopping. It's something I learned a long time ago. And it's when you're, you're having an anxious thought, for example, you know, I'll say to myself, stop, I interrupt that thought and then I replace it with the truth. So I think, you know, casting our anxiety is is definitely a tool we can use along with thought stopping or interrupting that anxious thought. I love that, Perry. And I, you know, I think about in our minds that, you know, like you're saying, if, if we don't replace that thought with truth and we just leave that empty space, then that anxiety can come back and it could even bring friends, you mm-hmm. know? So I love what you're saying about replacing it with truth and planting those seeds of truth where doubt and anxiety once lived. So I am the queen of worst case scenario thinking. <laughs> I can I can be driving down the road, I can walk into the room and I can see how I'm just going to trip and fall on this and blah, 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 blah. I will play the whole thing out. That's one of the ways in which anxiety shows up in my life. What are some practical tools that can help me and others like me who tend to head into the what ifs? Well, I will tell you, Shauna, I may give you a run for your money on the queen part of that. <laughs> So I totally understand and I'm with you on this. And so when God kind of helped me begin to see, to move out of that, what if worst case scenario thinking where I was playing those movies, those nightmares out of my head and and they feel very real. They look very real to us, but they're not, they're not real. And so how do we do that? How do we get out of what if and move into what is, what is our reality? What is the truth in our moment? And I love Philippians 4, 8. I love that it tells us that we can think on what is true, what is lovely, what is pure, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, any of those things that we can put our thoughts there. And I know as you hear that, it's easier said than done. So this is all, it's practice. It's taking practice and and shifting our habits, shifting our thoughts into these new things. And so this will, again, this is another thing that's going to take practice and time and and God's grace using Philippians 4.8 to do that. But there's also a technique that you can use called grounding. And I love this technique because it's a practical thing we can do with the senses that God gave us when he created us. So when you use grounding to get yourself out of that what if mode and put yourself into what is, what Mm -hmm. is your reality? You would say to yourself, what are five things that I can see? And you look, you look around to see what can you see? It may be that you're riding down the road and you see cars around you. You see clouds, you see your steering wheel. You just think to yourself, what are those five things? Then what are four things you can touch? What are you touching? You know, if you have a child, it may be for them that they can touch the grass. They can touch their toys. They can touch, you know, their skin on their arm. And then you can move to three things you can hear. What do you hear? And it may not always be pleasant things. You may hear the the beating of a horn of a car next to you. You may hear a red bird singing. What are those three things you can hear? Then two things that you can smell. And finally, when you get down to one thing, one thing that you can taste, 
by using all of those senses, it snaps you back into reality and you see, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay in this moment. God is with me. So I can use that Philippians 4, 8 for my thinking and my thoughts. And then I can use these senses that God put in me when he created me to help me and empower me to get to where I am right now and mm-hmm. trust that he's got the future in his hands. He's got all of that in his hands. I don't have to to play those worst case scenarios out in my head. Well, the one thing that I'm going to taste is chocolate. <laughs> You're just going to keep chocolate in your pocket. So whenever you have to do the grounding exercise, you can just (laughs) pop some chocolate. Yeah. You know, this really happens to me when I first get up in the morning because I'm still in sort of a dream state and the enemy really can come against me early in the morning and my own thoughts. And so this is something I want to figure out what it looks like for me when I first get up in the morning, because this is what I think I really need. It's really great. It's a good practical tool. And, you know, and, and for some people, they may say, well, I may not can do five, four, three, two, one. And so the great thing about this is that you can you can use it and you can apply it to your life the way that it works best for you. So it may be thinking of one thing, one of each of these senses mm-hmm. to really get you going and to really get you focused. I would say my one thing to taste would probably be coffee. Mm-hmm. So can you give us an example, Karis, of a time maybe when when you felt anxious and you used the grounding technique and, and how it impacted you in the moment? Absolutely. I'll be honest. You know, I live in a small town, so we do not have a lot of traffic, a lot of roads that are busy around us. So whenever I travel to cities that are larger with the interstate and with so many cars just going around, I can feel anxious in those moments. And my husband and I recently, we traveled out of state into Missouri. We were going on a a conference trip for me and I felt very anxious. I felt very nervous. There was lots of road work happening around us. And I began to feel that that I wasn't in control and and that anxiety was trying to take over me. So I had to go to this grounding technique and I said, okay, what are things that I can see? And I began to look around and I could see trees and I could see my husband next to me Mm -hmm. laughing and and trying to keep me calm. And (laughs) and I began to look for other things I could see. And then it moved to what were four things that I could touch? Well, I could touch the book that I was holding in my hand. I could touch my seatbelt that I did find myself grabbing really tightly And, you know, I could touch the floorboard beneath my feet and I began to work through what were three things that I could hear. And I could hear the worship music playing Mm -hmm. on the radio and I could hear my husband's voice telling me that it was going to be okay. And I could hear the sound of the road, you know, beneath the wheels. And then two things that I could smell. Again, like I told you guys, I I could smell and taste coffee because I had that. (laughs) (laughs) But I could tell by working through those things Mm -hmm. and using my senses, it calmed me and it moved me out of that anxious place where my heart was racing. And I was able to, to breathe deeply and to say, okay, remember Psalms 9111, God's angels are with us, they are protecting us, and we're going to get there. So using that technique recently really did help me as we rode through traffic. And I had to use it several times because it had been a little bit since I had been in that type of traffic. Mm 
but it was so helpful for me and I could feel my body relax and I could feel my mind come mm. to that place of peace. This I can just picture as you're describing the exercise, the grounding exercise, it's like a geographic locator, like a you are here. And so often what we're freaking out about is we picture ourselves someplace else. And all of those things cause you to, to recognize where you are and what's actually going on. It's like you are here. I love that. That's beautiful to look at it in that way. We are here and to know that God is here with Mm, us. So good. It's one way we can live in the moment because if we're not grounded, we're worried about the future or we're regretting the past and grounding puts us in the moment in God's presence. Wow, that's true. That's so good. And he wants us to be in that moment. We don't want to miss what he has for us in that place in that time. Man, we're coming up with so many tweetable things here right now. <laughs> so good. Y'all, I love talking to y'all. <laughs> oh, and we love talking to you. We always learn. It's so fun. When anxiety is great, why is it that I want to run away and hide from God? Yeah, I, you know what? For me personally, I feel like I, I run and want to hide from God because I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed because this anxiety has come in my mind and it has taken over. And, you know, as, as believers, sometimes we put this pressure on ourselves that we got to get everything right. We can't get anything wrong. And then when that anxiety comes in, we feel ashamed mm-hmm. and we feel that we have failed God. And that anxiety tells us you need to run. You need to hide. No one will understand. Not even God will understand. Or I can remember that I would think God is going to be mad at me. God's going to be mad at you because you are, uh, you're a leader in your church and you're a follower of Jesus. And here you are feeling this anxiety. And so when that anxiety tells you to run away from God, do the opposite and run towards him, run towards his comfort. Psalms 94, 19 tells us that when anxiety is great within his comfort, his consolation brings us joy. And, you know, we recently experienced something with our youngest daughter. She's going into third grade and school was getting ready to start back here. And I noticed my talkative child who was always full of joy and life was not so talkative. And she was not laughing as much or, you know, just being as her, her funny filled with light self. And I would ask her what was wrong and she would immediately retreat. She would be saying, nothing, mommy, nothing, nothing's Mm -hmm. wrong. I'm okay. And finally, a couple of nights before school started, she called my husband and I into her room and she was crying and we asked her what was wrong. And she began to tell us that she was feeling anxious and worried about going back to school because she was afraid of getting bullied again. We experienced some bullying last year in Mm -hmm. second grade. It starts so early and she was worried. She was scared to tell us that she was thinking about those things because she was afraid that she would get in trouble. Mm. And that really broke my heart for her. And in that moment, when she finally released the anxiety, when she finally released her worries and concerns, we were able to comfort her. We were able to console her and tell her, no, you're not in trouble. And the worry, the anxiety that she felt was very real. So we were, we were able to help her acknowledge that, but to see 
that in that moment, those things were already taken care of, that it was a new year, a new school year, and how we were able to to talk about how God was going to be with her and to encourage her to love her. And I think about that with God, you know, when we have those burdens and we, we think that we're bothering him, that he's got bigger things to worry about. But God wants us to bring all things to him. He tells us to come with all of our burdens. Right. And so it's not a bother to him. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. His word is filled with scripture Mm -hmm. that invites us to come into his presence, into his comfort, because he knows that his comfort, what he can bring as a heavenly father, nothing else can bring. So your daughter was afraid of going back to school and getting bullied again. And she was afraid to tell you about it because she thought she would get in trouble. I think there's something there for me and everybody listening right now. What, why would she feel like she would get in trouble for being honest about a struggle? Yeah, I, I love that question. And, and I've thought about that a lot and prayed about it. And, and where I've come to, where I've landed, is that that anxiety told her uh, that fear that worry told her, if you tell, you're going to look like you're being a tattletale. If you tell that you're struggling with these things, or they may get upset with you because you're still dealing with something that happened in your life a year ago. And that anxiety also told her, you know, your parents are dealing with things going on at work. They're dealing with things going on in their own lives. How, how could they have time to help you with that? And so even at a young age, the enemy tries to get into our our children's heads or even, you know, as an adult, he tries to get in your head and say, you're going to be bothering them if you tell them. And so she realized when she told us that she was not going to get in trouble, that that was never going to happen. But she felt that anxiety telling her that. And so she had to really push through that. She had to really push through that, that struggle to see that lie, even though it sounded true. It was not true at all. And that we loved her. We wanted to comfort her. And, and what she was dealing with was very real. It was not a burden for her to bear alone. And so I think for us to realize that even though if that anxiety or that fear tells you that you're going to get in trouble, it's not a trouble. It is a, a struggle that, that you need deliverance from. And when she got that, when she was able to get that, it was a, a, the first good night sleep that she had had because mm. she felt peace. And she realized that she didn't have to go through that struggle alone. She realized that we loved her and we cared about her. And even in that moment, if we wouldn't have had the answer for her struggle, that God would and that his presence and his comfort would and that we would work through it together. And so I think that's important for us to know, too, is that we don't have to go through those struggles alone. And even though that shame and anxiety may be loud in our ears, God's comfort is like a megaphone. It's a megaphone shouting, come to me, bring it to me. You're not in trouble. You are not in trouble. I am not mad at you. I love you. And this does not affect the purpose or the plan that I have for your life. Yeah. And when, when I open up about my fears and anxieties and worries and struggles, you know, I create a space for others to open up and realize, oh, I don't have to be a superhero. Other people really do struggle like I do. Mm -hmm. That's right. You're right. And, you know, I believe it was King David that wrote this Psalms 94, 19. And when we think of King David, God said he was a man after his own heart. 
And yet he is saying, when anxiety is great within me, Mm -hmm. even King David relates to what we're going through. And he knows that we can lament, we can be honest to God and we can turn to his comfort and know that it's okay. And like you said, Perry, we don't have to wear this superhero cape. Uh, We're all human. We all have these struggles and we all have this amazing heavenly father that we can turn to and we can turn to one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So much of what feeds or what can feed anxiety is what we set our minds on. You know, talk to us a little bit, Karis, about just God's instructions to us on on what we think about and what we allow, you know, what we feed in our own minds and how that either builds anxiety within us or, or brings us into God's peace. Yeah, I love that. I love how you worded that. And I, I think about our thoughts, that we can be intentional about our thoughts. We can focus on what we're thinking about. And I, when I grew up, my mom and dad would always tell us, garbage in, garbage out. Did mm-hmm. you guys ever hear oh, that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think about that. I think about, you know, when my mom taught me that. And then I look at God's word. And First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 helps us with this, to be intentional in our thoughts. And again, this is a process. So I want to encourage you to remember, if you don't get it right the first time, it's okay. None of us do. We're, we're all in this process together. We're all working through this together. But we don't want to stay in that chaos that we're in anymore, right? We don't want to be in that confusion. We want to experience God's presence and His peace. So we can do that in our mind. We can do that in our thoughts. So again, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 helps us to see that, first of all, we can rejoice always. We can look for the good. We have to just be intentional and on purpose with that. Second, it says to pray without ceasing. And ceasing means we we don't have to stop. And I know I have found myself throughout my life. I'll pray when I get up in the morning and then I'll pray when I go to bed at night and that's it. But the beautiful thing about prayer is that we can pray in our hearts. We can pray in our minds. We may not say the words out loud, but that prayer is an open line of communication with God, our conversation with Him. And I love that I can talk to God as a friend. I can say to Him and be honest with Him about what I'm going through, what I'm feeling, if it is anger or anxiety or joy or peace. And so we can pray without ceasing. We can pray mm-hmm. while we're in that car line. We mm-hmm. can pray in the shower. We can pray uh, while we're doing our, our workout or just sitting on the couch, drinking our coffee in, in peace. We can pray without ceasing. I'm reading the book Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning right now. And, and one of the exercises he encourages is to pray this prayer, Abba, I belong to you. And he He recommends that when you breathe in, you say Abba, and when you breathe out, you say I belong to you. And he mentions how you can do this anywhere at any time doing anything. Mm -hmm. That's good. Wow. I did that as you were saying that, Mm -hmm. and I could feel peace in my body. I felt a a smile come across my, my face. You can do that anywhere. That is a great and powerful tool with prayer. Um, and you know, and by doing that, training ourselves to do that, it it trains our our attitude to go to prayer, to go to God first, instead of going to him last. You know, sometimes we try to figure it out on our own, or we'll go to our friends, or we'll uh, maybe go to WebMD, right? Mm -hmm. And instead, (laughs) we can go to the ultimate Mm -hmm. healer, the ultimate provider. And, And so we're training ourselves to go to prayer 
first. And then the last thing that this scripture says is to give thanks in all circumstances. And, and seriously, I struggle with the all, mm. <laughs> the all circumstances. But the truth is, even the circumstances going on around us right now, even in our world, even though it makes us feel broken inside, even in that brokenness, we see how God is there with us all around this world. And we can give thanks. We can give thanks for his goodness. We can give thanks for his kindness, for his love, and that he is here with us for such a time as this. And when we use that gratitude, it is a natural blocker Mm -hmm. to anxiety. That anxiety cannot come in. So when we are being intentional with rejoicing, with seeing the good, and being intentional and praying without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances, our thoughts shift mm. and we find ourselves, even if we're in the fire, he's there and there's peace there and there's comfort there to know that our Heavenly Father, he's there with us with peace in the midst of the chaos. Man, I am just reminded of a, you know, a chaotic scene where the Israelites just have to all of a sudden up and go and leave everything in a hurry and that Miriam brought her tambourine and mm. the tambourine was an instrument of celebration of, of gratitude and of joy. And it's just, even in the craziness, even in the chaos of like, yeah, you can't pack up your home. You just have to grab what you can and go. She was like, I'm taking my tambourine because there's going to come a time where I'm going to be celebrating and I'm going to be rejoicing. And even in the chaos, I'm going to take my tambourine. Wow, that's beautiful. You know, worship is a weapon, right? It's yeah. a weapon for us to to praise God. And that immediately took me to the story of King Jehoshaphat when they were surrounded on all sides by their mm-hmm. enemy. And he said, we don't know what to do, but we put our eyes on you. And when they went into the battle, God, he told them they could stand firm and he took care of it. But Jehoshaphat sent the worshipers out first. He sent them out first. And so that worshiping is another way to give that gratitude to God, to say, this is who you are. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are in control. And we know that at the end, you've already gotten victory for us. So we're fighting from that place of victory. That's beautiful to talk about the tambourine in that way. I love that. I love on someone who's just struggling with a lot of anxiety around COVID and feeling loneliness right now. And, Mm. you know, there's different levels of anxiety. There's the things that make us worry and then we go on about our day. But then there's there's anxiety, you know, where you end up at the hospital and and you don't know all the signs say your body is physically fine, but you're like, I am not okay. (laughs) Talk to the person who is experiencing anxiety at that level. What would you say to him or her, Karis? I would say to him or her that I've been there. And I remember what it's like to appear like everything is okay on the outside, but on the inside, you are falling apart and and you don't know what is happening. You, You can't fix it. It's out of your control. And I would say to that person, it is okay to get help. And it's the right thing to do to get help because you are worth it to get help. And God has created counselors and and doctors and gifted them with wisdom to help you in that place. And I remember when I was in that place, when I was lonely and I was isolated and I felt like I was not needed here on this earth. I remember in that moment, God whispered to me, look up, look up. And when I looked up that day, there were helpers. And specifically, those helpers were my counselor and my doctor, my counselor and my doctor. And they let me know 
that it was okay that I was where I was. It was okay to not be okay. And that God loved me. He wasn't mad at me. I hadn't failed him. And just as if I would have had a heart condition or if I would have had diabetes and I would have listened to their instructions, it was the right thing to do for me to listen to their instructions Mm -hmm. to help my brain get back into the balance that it needed to be in. And so that counselor was able to help me get to the root of some things going on in my life where I needed healing and I needed restoration. And my doctor was able to get me on medication to help my brain get back to a place where it wasn't in a fog anymore, where, where I could think clearly, where I could think in a place that wasn't full of dread and full of hopelessness. And after several months through that and, and through my church family and my friends and my family, I began to see restoration happening in all sides. So I would say to you today that you are not alone. And that I get where you are. And I would say me too. But I want you to know the me too on the other end where you can get through those struggles. You can get to the other side. You can ask for help and know that we are here with you, bearing the burdens with you, carrying the load with you, knowing that that as you take each step, God is going to give you the courage that you need to allow those people in to help you so that you can live your life instead of barely surviving, fully thriving. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.